Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley and here with me as always is the very prudent Robert Domena. Prudent. Thank you, Elliot. So before we get into the Travel Bites episode today, which is actually very exciting, we have some good news to talk about. Yeah. I want to run through our promo. We have a lot going on behind the scenes. You can still get a free cheat sheet. If you sign up for our newsletter through our website, you will get a free cheat sheet that gives you the rundown on various ways you can improve your travel planning. In addition to that, I, Bob Domena, will provide or am providing consulting services where I can sit down with you and go over your trip one-on-one. -on -one. There are a few options on how you can do that. And you can check that out on our website. I love helping people plan travel. And so if you need help and you want to essentially become your own travel agent, I can help you do that. We are also diligently working behind the scenes to create a video tutorial. It is going to be a video course on how you can become your own travel agent. We have really exciting stuff with that. It's really going to be it's really going to be awesome when we're done. And it's been fun to work on. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great and we're really looking forward to getting it out there. We we're hitting a few, I guess, snags. We probably wanted it to be done a little bit earlier, but we're making sure it's as perfect as we possibly can can. And so that's that's why there's these delays. And uh, keep an eye out for some of our intros later on where we will likely be testing it out to early early individuals to see and get feedback from you guys on how the videos are. Right. Yeah. Once we have it ready and it's available, we're, we're going to mention it on the intros and you might be able to snag the course for uh, a discounted price, you know, because you're a loyal listener. So keep that in mind. And then I, I think just really quick, I just want to uh, promote the travel around table series. We are now doing these six-person panel episodes. Each one is a specific topic as it relates to travel. And they're very exciting because we get these perspectives all on topic. The discussions have been really fun, really informative. And we're going to release those once a month for now. And and so so just keep those in mind. What are we doing? The last of the month, the last Friday of every month yep. will be the release of our Travel Around Table podcast. The next one that we have, I believe, is on budgeting and backpacking. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out for those. And then lastly, if you're listening to this, subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. If you're this is YouTube or Spotify or, um, you know, the iTunes podcasts, just give a subscribe. And if you really like us, rate us because that helps a ton. So thank you for listening to my spiel. Elliot, what do we have going on in travel news now? This will be fun. Today we have uh, a few things, one of which is why travel should be considered an essential human activity. It is very different from considering an essential worker like hospitals, grocery stores, gas stations. Then we'll get into NASA and the plan to get the next person on the moon in 2024. We finally have an answer to what killed those 300 elephants in Botswana, which is very exciting. I mean, we've been covering that for three months now. Uh, we touch up on travel credit cards and new point rewards offerings that you could potentially jump on. And then we finish with a discussion on the airline industry, and we have three articles that we're going to share on the current status and some of the future things that are happening. So, Bob, let's get right into the first one, why travel should be considered an essential human activity. Right, yeah. So this one was very interesting to me. I love National Geographic to begin with, but... <clears throat> Sorry. 
this this first article is on how traveling or just socializing and moving around in general is vital to our 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 mental health and just general existence. And so us travel enthusiasts are sort of a subset of the pandemic era population, you know, where we can all relate, complain and share a mutual feeling of disappointment due to the canceled or failed trips. And I, I'm feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it, Elliot. Oh, yeah. COVID blues is real. Yeah. Yeah. And so it looks like only a third of Americans have traveled overnight since March for leisure, which is I have mind, mind boggling. Um, I have. I went to the Finger Lakes for for a few days. So that's so I guess I'm part of that third and only 38 percent say they're likely to travel for fun overnight by the end of the year. Yeah, I don't plan to. I don't plan to for the remainder of the year. And it looks like only one quarter plan on leaving home for Thanksgiving. I don't know what, what we're going to do. Typically, a man and I go to Why Missing, and the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is a great time to go to West Reading, hang out at the bars. We usually run into past classmates and old friends. So it's going to be very different this year, and I don't even know if we're going to see family. If we do, we're going to try to have something outside. I don't know. What do you plan on doing for Thanksgiving? I don't know. We would. We always go up to New York. I don't think we're going to do that. I don't know. I think we're probably going to stay local. Um, maybe just have immediate family over our house or go to someone's house, just kind of in our kin, and and keep it small and, and close knit. I, I I imagine that's what most people are going to do, but it's still it's hard. I, it, it, the holidays are going to be hard because a lot of people get yeah. together. That is what everybody does from. November through the end of December is all about family and enjoying each other's company and being stuck inside on these cold days. And that's not going to happen. So now we just had a summer where we were not allowed to fly around the country and go on our vacations. And now we're going to have a winter where we're not supposed to be getting together in large groups and especially inside. So it's it, it, we're, we're all feeling it. And I think travelers specifically, though, might feel it a little bit more because it's kind of who they are. It's in their identity to go out and meet people and yeah. be that extrovert and and try new foods and all this stuff. And, and we can't, everything's closed. And so yeah. we feel for you. If you're listening to this, we feel for you. We get it. It's just kind of, we understand your pain. And yeah. one of the quotes that the author has is that travel is one of the few activities we engage in, not knowing the outcome and reveling in that uncertainty. Nothing is more forgettable than the trip that goes exactly as planned. <laughs> yeah, I really like that quote. And and so it, it, travel is sort of an essential industry in a way. You know, in a way, I think it's essential to a lot mental of health. mental health. Yeah. And so that's that was the point of the article. I found it pretty, pretty interesting and something to contemplate. Yeah. I think the only thing that Amanda and I have done this year is we went up to State College for a day and it was a really, really nice break. We just took a day trip. We didn't stay overnight. And we spent about six hours in State College, got some food, walked around, and then came home. Yeah. And it, it, sorry, but I, I one of the takeaways is even if you know you can do a local trip like you just did. Yeah. But just coming up with the idea to plan a trip could really be beneficial to you if you're a traveler. Yeah. So thinking ahead for 2022, let's say, if you want to go to Italy or New Zealand or see Machu Picchu. Uh, whatever it may be in the world that you have high on your bucket list or it's next up on your bucket list, start planning the trip, do the, do the legwork, do the research, you know, figure out where you want to go and start to understand that city, dive into the history. You have plenty of time 
to do that research and really get to know the destination before you go. And then when you go and you actually get to see the Colosseum after diving deep into the history or, you know, the deep history of Machu Picchu and the Inca Empire who uh, occupied it. Um, <laughs> now it's just the llamas. And now alpacas. it's just the llamas. Yeah. But that planning in and of itself can be beneficial to your mental health because, I don't know, it's... Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And so yeah. so maybe maybe consider that if you're if you're have your travel blues right now. Yes. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, the first trip to the moon will be in 2024. And NASA plans it's called the Artemis plan, and it is to land the first woman on the moon. Right. Yeah, it'll be the first woman and the next man on the moon 2024. Pretty cool. Pretty exciting. It is Looking very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Did you watch uh, the Steve Carell? I forget what the show is called. It was a Netflix one. Space Force. Space it was Force. A yeah, comedy. Yeah, kind yeah. of around the idea of Space Force existing. So I watched some of it. I watched a few episodes. I think I fell off. What I did just finish though was Away on Netflix, and that I have not was, seen that. Oh, that was good, dude. That was really good. Hillary Swank was the actress, mm. and it was about the first manned mission to Mars. So it was about the crew leaving planet Earth and going all the way to Mars. And you'll have to watch it to see if they okay. actually get there. Okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you. So, so next up, we finally have the answer to the elephant death, the mass elephant die-off in Botswana. So I think we started covering this two months ago. 300 elephants were spotted. A several hundred were spotted over the course of like two hours via helicopter as they drove, as they flew over uh, the, I think it's the Okavango, Okavango yep. Delta, right? So what we what they have identified is a cyanobacteria, which they believe is contaminated all of the water sources or most of the water sources in the area. Yeah, and cyanobacteria by itself is not always toxic, but certain cyanobacteria do produce toxins. And in this case, there was enough cyanobacteria that did produce toxins that were enough to kill 300 elephants, which is quite a lot it's it's a ton i mean that's insane how many elephants are killed and so the Bostwana and, and the conservation authorities i think are all convinced it's a cyanobacteria however there are outside conservationists that are still skeptical and i just found this interesting because they're stating that it could still be the fault of humans elephants are a huge pest for farmers in the area they destroy and eat crops and there's act there are actually good documentaries on it on Netflix about these these people and how they deal with these massive elephants destroying their food, and so what farmers do sometimes is poison lay poison out and and it kills them. So I think I, we might hear about this again. It seems like they figured it out, but there's still people who are asking for more answers. Yeah, one of the techniques that I discovered while I was in Tanzania is that farmers will put out bees nests around their property. And the elephants tend to stay away from them. It's it's kind of interesting. They like yeah put them as posts. They're almost like sentries around the crops. That is interesting. Yeah, I watched. I don't remember the name of the documentary, but it was uh, the the villagers would have lookouts, and you would stand in the tree. They would like make a tree stand, and you'd have to watch over your field and scare off the elephants as they'd come through. It was it's it's a you know. I don't know. It's, we're it's always tough. gonna have we're always gonna have to find a balance between fighting nature and dealing with nature in an appropriate way. Because technically, there, we're sharing the land. Africa is having a lot of trouble with that now because the population is starting to boom across the continent, um, and 
and they're hitting the front line with wildlife. And I, I also read an interesting article in National Geographic about chimpanzees. Uh, I think this was in, oh man, I can't remember the country now, but it, it, these villagers are thriving. Their population is growing. Their agricultural system is growing and they're now being confronted by chimpanzees whose habitat they're cutting down. And in response, the chimpanzees are not only ruining their crops, but they're kidnapping their kids and they're killing toddlers and stuff. Oh, like wow. That. I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's a it's that's wild. It, it was so sad. And so these chimpanzees, these families <clears throat> of chimpanzees are fighting for their own territory, their own livelihood. And you have the villagers who are doing the same. There's just a clash. And so what's the answer? They're trying to relocate chimpanzees, but they're incredibly ter territorial and tribal. So if you can't just relocate them to different areas where there's chimpanzees, because then they'll just go into Fight. a civil war on their own. So yeah. it's I don't, I don't know what the answer is, <clears throat> but it is the reality of what's going on. Yeah. So the next article is about the credit card offerings and sign-up bonuses. And in brief summary, there are a lot of offers right now where if you hit a certain spending threshold, you'll get a really nice bonus. And some of the bonuses are up to 100,000 points or more. Yeah. So I'm trying to capitalize on this now. We're ready for a second travel card. We each signed up for the Chase Sapphire Preserve, I think maybe two years ago now. We have all of those points. And we're ready to accumulate even more. Our goal is to essentially, when we do finally get to go to Italy, do it for very, very cheap. We've already booked our three round trip tickets. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I, don't I hope I don't have the Rona. I, I hope I don't have the Rona. It, it's a good we think we're doing this remotely. Right, yeah. I We booked three round trip tickets with points, completely with points, didn't pay a dollar. And now we are going to look to use those points for uh, hotel bookings and things like that, accommodations. You can use them for a rental car. So the goal is to sign up for a new one. There are a few that are giving very large bonus points. So the Capital One Venture card, you get 100,000 points if you spend $20,000 in 12 months or earn 50,000 points if you spend 3,000 in three months, which is doable for, for us. For so, most people. For most people, right. Uh, there's a, the Hilton Honors American Express, 130,000 points if you spend $2,000 in the first three months, which yeah. seems to be a great deal. Now, keep in mind, those points will only go to Hilton Honors, yeah. whereas with the Capital One Venture, you'll have to look into who their travel partners are. So there are there are a ton. I recommend going to the Points Guys website. That's the, the website I always go to when I want to learn a little bit more about these travel credit cards. But because everything's kind of slowing down, there are a lot of good things you could jump on right now to boost your points and mm -hmm. when you can travel again. Yeah, and we've, for the most part, we've surmised that this is basically just to spur travel. And right. it, it makes sense. I mean, travel is probably the most hurting industry right now, along with restaurants and restaurants and travel tend to go hand in hand. So it makes sense that they're trying to push these kind of spending sprees and not spending sprees, but spending bonuses and getting you to a point where you have all of these points that you should spend. Yeah. The, the things I want to keep in mind sort of as a disclaimer is <clears throat> one, do not do this if you don't have the capability to, to pay, it pay off, off your, your credit card every month, because if you don't, then the interest you're, you're going to end up paying off will completely negate any rewards that you would have gotten uh and also keep in mind that if you sign up for one of these cards you should be able to confirm whether or not you're going to meet that spending 
limit within the allotted amount of time because if you miss that, then you do not get those rewards points. And I think it's a long time before you can reapply for that card again. So establish that you're going to spend that minimum amount in the allotted time prior to getting the card. And that's that's why we when we signed up for the Chase Sapphire Preserve, we waited until close to Christmas time because we knew we were going to spend a lot on buying people gifts and things like that. So it's yeah. it's smart. If you want to sign up for multiple cards, I recommend staggering it. Do it, stagger it, and get a new card about every three months when you meet that threshold. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want me to jump on this one? I do. Okay. So we are going to, well, not we. <laughs> that would be great if we were. <laughs> so pre-COVID flight, pre-COVID testing for flights seems to be the way of the future. And it seems to be a perk that airlines are going to offer when booking their trips. So it, because if you get the test, I think it's up to three days before you leave, the destinations will now not require you to sit through a 14-day quarantine. And Hawaii actually is one of these locations. So beginning in October this month, American Airlines is going to offer three testing options for flyers headed to Hawaii. So if you're from the Dallas-Fort Worth, if you're going from Dallas to Honolulu or Maui, you're eligible to take a 129 at-home nasal PCR test administered by the company Let's Get Checked, an in-person test or an in-person test at CareNow. Um, and once you confirm that you do not have it and you have that test completed three days prior to your flight, flight you can then fly to Hawaii and enjoy your time there without quarantining. Yeah, it's and, pretty nice. I think a lot of other airlines are going to follow suit with this because if you have the ability to take an at-home test, not do the 14-day quarantine, and basically go to your destination without hassle, it's probably going to become more common. And with more of these tests becoming more and more available and being produced more, I think the cost is going to go down and become very prevalent. Well, you sent me this article earlier this month, and I thought it was really cool because I'm huge on alternative fuel sources. And Airbus is looking to do hydrogen fuel cell planes, which would greatly reduce the environmental impact of traveling. It would also greatly reduce the cost because hydrogen fuel cells, once it's in full productivity mode, is going to be a lot cheaper than jet fuel. Interesting. This technology sort of uh, escapes me. I really don't know a lot about it. I don't understand it, but it sounds awesome. It It is pretty awesome. So basically... With hydrogen fuel cells, you're using hydrogen, which was the fuel source slash way to move the Hindenburg, which is why it hasn't been used for a while because it's highly so explosive. Right. Right. But so is jet fuel. So the only byproduct of hydrogen fuel cells are oxygen and water. Oh. oh wow. So there's no carbon dioxide. There's nothing, right? Because it's just burning hydrogen. And the thing with this is that it's still going to be a long time before we see it commercially available. Uh, There are planes now that have been testing it, but it's all been private. And for this to work, airports have to have a massive infrastructure change to be able to fuel these planes. Because right now, the only fuel we have for planes is jet fuel. And it's a very different method of fueling. Why did why have we not been using this if it's better for the environment? Like why why didn't this catch on? Is it because the Hindenburg crashed and everybody got scared of using it? I think that was a part of it early on. I think the main 
since then, fuel from oil products has been too easy to use, and it's been available everywhere. And we have that infrastructure in place all over the world. Hydrogen fuel cells is a relatively new technology in the sense that we can produce it more easily. It has a little bit more technical aspects to it to actually get it into a container where fuel is non-volatile in regular atmospheric pressure. I think hydrogen fuel cells has to be cooled down. So that's one aspect of it. If you know, you know, Nikola, the electric, the electric car company, it's mm-hmm. actually more hydrogen fuel cell based. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yep. At least their semi trucks are. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So well, I don't think we'll see that. it for 20 years or so. Right. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, moving on to what's happening today. American Airlines and United Airlines are expected to lay off a collective 32,000 employees. And so obviously the impact that coronavirus has had on the travel industry is far from over. It's People are just not traveling. I mean, what did we mention it earlier? A quarter of Americans didn't travel or something. So it, it's significant impacts to the travel industry. And you, we, we feel for those individual employees, but should we feel for the billion-dollar airline company? And that's sort of the segue into this next article, and this is where the discussion is going to take place. Should we feel bad for these airline industries? Should we want them to be bailed out when – they don't have a great track record with, no. with so us. I, I'm going to lay out some numbers for you. In 2006, the American Airlines company posted a $250 million profit. In 2015, it posted a $7.6 billion profit. Now, over those nine years, we as the passengers didn't see any increase in ease or better practices and making it better for us. And so our money for the baggage fees, for the exchange fees has been going only to making the company more money. Seats have been getting closer together. The There haven't been very many improvements besides adding a few more screens. The seats have pretty much in terms of quality, have stayed the same minus the reduced leg room. So I don't see why we should feel bad for it. I think we need to get to a point now where they need to change how they treat their passengers and also how they treat their employees. Right. Yeah. It, 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 I, I, it's hard to feel bad. I did at first. I, I expected them to receive a bailout. But now, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't... I'm a little conflicted because I, I write... Obama bailed out the car industry in 2008 Mm -hmm. and GM, Ford, and a few others like Jeep are, they would not have survived. And now they're doing much better, right? And the economy recovered quickly thereafter. And is that, is that going to have the same effect now? We don't have the similar situation, right? It wasn't a pandemic that put a put us into a global recession then now we have a pandemic that until we get it fixed this recession probably won't end and it's going to be a long time before it ramps back up because people are going to be concerned about travel right yeah 
Yeah, so is it a matter of just holding out until we know we have the pandemic under control and then worrying about the, the airline industry? It's just a shame. I mean, it's only going to get worse. I This is going to be a very, very tight winter for travel. Yeah, and the holidays are typically the most traveled time of the year. And I they're not going to see that income. No, no. So there's a lot still that's going to happen. Uh, some of these airlines may fold. Yeah, it'll and- be... It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there's going to be at least one major airline that goes under. Yeah. I I think it might be American, but which I have a lot of points with. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see, man. We'll it, see. Yeah. It, it's should they in turn, if they're bailed out with our money, our tax dollars, right? Should they agree to some sort of uh, policy change and, new new structuring and renovations to the air to the actual plane the seats are getting smaller they're crammed flying is not a fun experience and people are getting bigger <laughs> and yeah yeah and so should they be required to meet some new standard of flying like should the experience change if the if we bail them out with our tax dollars I kind of think I think that's. that's I think we should have some kind of agreement, right? When two thousand eight, the the one of the stipulations for the car industry was that GM Ford had to replace leadership, and GM and Ford agreed to that, and they brought in new leadership to help bring in new innovation and push more renewables and alternative fuels. That's why we got the Chevy Volt. That's how we got the Chevy Bolt. And mm-hmm. now we're getting a Ford fully Mustang electric vehicle. Right. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I do I do think that there should be something they should be held accountable in some way. And we shouldn't bail them out and then still have to suffer through two hundred dollar uh domestic flight changes. You know, if you want to change your flight, you have to pay two hundred dollars. It's seven hundred and fifty dollars for an international flight change. Yeah. That that's ridiculous, and the baggage fees are going up. Seats are getting smaller, so bathrooms are getting smaller. There needs to be something done, and then and then the other thing, should they be bailed out before the individual American should be bailed out? You know, we have these relief packages. Who right. should be prioritized? Should we get the money? It's our tax dollars, so, and I view I view the collective pot of tax dollars as our money. I, that's how I look at it. It's not the government's money. It's our money. Yeah. Well, and we like the officials to help us plan for what we're going to do with that money. Right. And I don't know, I felt I've felt recently let down by how we've how our tax money has been handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, something to consider, contemplate, think about, discuss amongst yourselves, maybe uh throw a comment down there if you if you have anything to add to that, if you disagree with us, think Elliot's point of view is stupid, let us know. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you think Bob just in general is an incompetent idiot, just let us know. Yeah, my my wife's going to (laughs) respond. But we do want to know what your travel plans are. If you plan to travel for Thanksgiving, if you plan on traveling for the holiday, if you are going to be one of those quarter people that actually travel overnight by the end of the year. We're curious to see how many people are actually doing it. Um, And before we close out, our guests this month are going to be Ketchler Thibert, who we've mentioned before on our intros. He is the Philly tour guide. We have exclusive tours available on our website that you can book for him. Uh, we have Jules and Christine of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast talking about travel disaster stories and volunteerism. And then lastly, at the end of this month, we'll have Rolf Potts, who's the author of the wildly popular travel guide, Vagabonding, 
And he actually wrote that in 2003, and it was pretty cool to be able to talk to him. So, Bob, he's like sort of the godfather of vagabonding and backpacking. So yeah, yeah, that was it. Was awesome having him on. Um, Yeah, I I think you know. Thank you for listening. If you are listening to this and you have the funds, the capability to support our show, and are interested in doing so, you can jump on our Patreon for as little as one dollar a month. You know, so it's it's a very small contribution that would really go a big way in supporting the work that we put into this podcast. And uh, if even if you just consider it, it, it would mean a lot to us. So that's all I'm going to board with you today. Uh, you know, subscribe, like, engage, let us know what you think of the podcast and tune in next week.